Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for being with me today on the Wave Capital's guest speaker series on relationship building in a team environment. You're my 32nd guest. Thanks so much for joining me today. Fun to be here with you, Garrett. Great to be with you as well. Ryan, when you think of relationship building in a team environment, uh, what does relationship building mean to you? You have to deliver value first and you have to give people time. I mean, some people will not trust you and like you until they believe and respect in your abilities and production. So I think the biggest thing um, that people can notice comes from, hey, what transaction can I get? You know, hey, Garrett, great to meet you. What can you do for me? And then I can maybe do something for you. It has to be different. It has to be, hey, Garrett, great to meet you. How can I be on your team? How can I support you? And oh, by the way, I'm willing to keep showing up like this without any benefit to myself. That's how you build trust. That's how you build relationships. Um, and, and encouraging one another is a big part of that as well. Absolutely. And you were part of Notre Dame Fighting Irish as a college player for a very prestigious university, went on to play in the NFL. You had 10 surgeries in a 10-year NFL career. Tell me about the relationship building you did at Notre Dame. Tell me about the relationship building you did in the NFL. And what was it like to get through those nine surgeries? Well, it's important to begin with not everybody's worth a relationship, right? I had teammates that didn't care about winning, that t that wanted different things out of the NFL than a championship, and they, they and I were not going to be friends. Doesn't mean we still can't be teammates. Doesn't mean we still can't respect one another. But you have to be honest, too, that not everybody deserves your time. And so when I was – whether it was at Houston or Kansas City or back in Denver when I came back and we won the Super Bowl – you got to take people outside of work. I always took the guy I was playing next to to dinner outside of the facility uh, before we started the season. That way we could really get to know each other, break bread. And there's actually science behind when you eat together, your brain builds pathways similar to family. So uh, it's important with those who you want to have a relationship with, who, who your production depends on, go outside of the workplace and don't just go to a happy hour, take them to breakfast, go to get a coffee, do a yoga class or something. Or, or meet them on their terms. And, and in that way, I was able to build incredibly powerful uh, relationships that I still have today, relationships that I would never imagine would be as fruitful as they have been in, in my personal and professional life. And, um, and so that's a big piece of how I was able to build that in the NFL. As far as the injuries go, you know, I'm big on mindset. I wrote my book on it, Garrett, you know that. Um, but I use the words, I am, I can, I will to get through every surgery. I mean, the, one of the toughest ones, I mean, four back, four on my back, one total toe and five to save my leg below my knee. But the mm -hmm. toughest one was my toe injury. And I just, and I had to work each week to bend my toe one more degree for about six months. So I just kept saying, I am going to attack this rehab. I can do the best I can. I can, I can add nutrition to it to heal, help my healing. And I will play again. So I used, I am, I can, I will. And each one of my injuries, and each one of the failures that I had throughout my 10-year NFL career and, and even on the field before games. I am distracted. I can breathe. I, I, can, call, I can run the play that's going to be called, and I will be a champion. So um, between delivering value and bringing people outside of the workplace who, who are worth your time, that builds the relationships, and then choosing your mindset will help you outside of any success or failure. Definitely, and your Super Bowl 50 – team the Denver Broncos that won the Super Bowl won the championship what was so special about that team you know compared to other teams that you played for 
we had an incredible willingness. I mean, even the wildest cats were showing up at 7 a.m. to get ready for the day. I mean, we understood and were willing to sacrifice time, time with our families, time that we may have wanted to do recreational activities to, to be the best and to work on improving. And even in, in, even in success, we found ways to get better. Um, but one quick example, you know, DeMarcus Ware, one of my favorite teammates ever, uh, defensive end, Hall of Famer, uh, soon to be Hall of Famer. One day we were playing the Patriots that week and about Wednesday in practice, he came up to me and said, you're going against James Harrison, right? And James Harrison's this big, huge defensive end who had what they called the rip move where he wanted to throw his arm under your armpit, get your edge and hit the quarterback. So I was like, yeah. And he goes, he's going to put in that rip, right? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, when he does that, pinch your, pinch your elbow. And so we're in the first third down of the game in our first game against the Steelers. And sure enough, um, you know, James Harrison put in that rip move and I pinched it and he goes, Oh no, right in the play. So that's an example of the Marcus Ware, future Hall of Famer, phenomenal defensive player, taking a minute on a Wednesday to come talk to me on the offensive side and give me some help against somebody he knows um, that I'm going to be facing. That's the kind of willingness we had. And that was coaches and players. Coaches were willing to take criticism back, and players were as well. And the biggest thing is none of us took things personally the year we won Super Bowl 50. We understood that if a coach was coaching us or a player was asking more of us, our teammate was asking more of us, that, that they believed in us versus they didn't want us around. And that's a very, very amazing thing to be a part of. And unfortunately, one of the few times I was a part of a team like that in, in my 10 years in the NFL. Well, let's go back a ways. And that was great. A great narrative about with, with DeMarcus Ware and helping you go up against a guy like James Harrison. And it's it's anecdotes like that that really make a great episode. The one, you know, interviewing you today because you are a first class elite athlete who, you know, played 10 years despite all those injuries you were able to make it on a Super Bowl team roster and, you know, win the Super Bowl. And it's just a testament to how, you know, the mental fortitude you had to, you know, power through all that pain and and to, you know, use every bit of strength that you had mentally, physically, even spiritually to get you through, you know, a team environment where building relationships matter so much and it takes the cohesiveness of a unit to win the Super Bowl. So I really appreciate you providing me that example. Going back to when you you know, played at Notre Dame. I mean, you were being looked at by other uh, colleges and universities. What made you choose Notre Dame? What was so special about uh, the university? And uh, talk to me about your time there. Well, I love the University of Notre Dame. It's one of the greatest decisions I ever made in my life uh, outside of asking my now wife for her phone number at the time. Um, you know, it, it was amazing to, to first visit Notre Dame. Um, first went unofficially. And, and, you know, the, the planes are going overhead. And my, I look to my left. My dad's got tears coming down his eyes in Notre Dame Stadium, you know, one of the most beautiful sights he'd ever seen. And then they beat Michigan. And I was on the field, you know, 17-year-old kid. And to this day, I don't know who this guy is. But he tapped me on the shoulder. He said, hey, Ryan, I know who you are. I know why you're here. When you come to Notre Dame, you'll be a part of the family. You'll be more than just a number. And he walked away. And, and it just confirmed everything that was to come. On my official visit, Notre Dame was the only school to bring me to a mosque uh, versus any of the other ones. And that spoke a lot to me. That was incredibly powerful. I mean, how capable are we that Notre Dame can bring a, a young Muslim recruit to campus and take him to a mosque before even taking him to campus? And, and Notre Dame has one of the Muslim lo longest standing Muslim student associations. So uh, it began there. 
And then I met the rest of the people that make Notre Dame what it is and, and people that I could see use their faith every day in their life and still work to be a fantastic professional at their skill set. So Notre Dame gave me an incredible family and a family that I love and, and enjoy today, especially when I do the, the radio broadcasts. And, uh, and it made me a better Muslim because I was on a campus where there are 530 masses per week on campus at Notre Dame. So all of a sudden, praying five times a day seems like you're getting a little bit of a break. But incredible spirituality, in addition to acceptance and respect. And that's something that I've brought with me everywhere I've gone since my time at Notre Dame. Well, I'm so glad that you had such a you know profound effect on Notre Dame and, and Notre Dame had such a profound effect you know on you it was it was a mutual respect and also the inclusiveness there was no exclusivity there was an inclusiveness of all faiths and all um, purposes for people to go and, and to pray to learn to grow as a human being you played college football there and it's a great sport on to the NFL but you know being a college football player you know you're part of the Notre Dame brand and you represented well and you had great and fond memories at your time at Notre Dame. When you got to the NFL, you had 10 surgeries, and we talked about how you had to overcome those, and you were able to valiantly, you know, have a successful 10-year career being a Super Bowl champion. You also become a motivational speaker. You talk about your broadcasting with Westwood One. It's great that you have diversified your portfolio of professional attributes, if you will. Talk to me about your time outside of the NFL. Well, I knew that I wanted to make an impact uh, with people because when you win the Super Bowl, everything you believe about yourself comes true for other people. And I want people to have that moment in their life. You know, I was told I was too tall, too short. One person told one coach told me I had soft bones, which is not a medical term. Right. So I had so many people who told me I would not be able to achieve what, what I what I was able to do. And here's the thing. When you choose your mindset, people will be wrong about you all the time. And it's not your job to listen to the naysayers. So I really wanted to be able to make an impact through speaking. And, and I've had tremendous uh, tremendous fun and impact, you know, speaking to companies like Google, Lululemon, Hermes, um, Beata, many others, the NFL. And, um, and whether it's mindset, leadership, or, or teamwork, you know, I under, I've had bad coaches. I've had great coaches. And one of the things, too, the worst kept secret in the NFL you know, mental performance is a huge, huge piece of your uh, eventual success. What's relevant and what's irrelevant to your success. So learning those things and being able to share that with people, not only a mindset, but you don't have to listen to people that really don't matter to your success if you're driven and you want to be able to achieve. Garrett, I'm sure people told somebody told you that this podcast was a bad idea. Uh, how wrong were they? So you don't have to keep receipts and you don't have to listen to them as well. And that's what I love about speaking, encouraging people to find the success, whether it's communication, action, or, or learning a new skill. And I take the lessons that I learned from my 10-year NFL career that was full of ups and downs uh, to, to prove how choosing your mindset and really figuring out what's best for you and having a process for your success and failure will ultimately make you the most successful person you can be. And you, you know, eloquently state what it means to be successful, what it takes to be successful. And you're exactly right, Ryan. I mean, you think about your life and you're going to have the naysayers, the people who doubt you, the people, you know, who might look down on you or, you know, 
not think much of you. And then you have others who are mentors who believe in you, believe in your self-worth, you know, maybe even recognize your self-worth before you recognize your own self-worth and that you're, you know, you're able to get to a maturation point where you become like a complete person from the standpoint of like being able to operate physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually in unison in one, and you're complete and you're ready for that turning point in your career where you can take all of those elements and really find purpose in life and, and find your passions. And I definitely credit my mentors and people who believed in me. And I've always loved media and I majored in journalism at UNC Chapel Hill. And I remember being a student at Carolina and playing Notre Dame at, you know, as a fan watching and Carolina football, playing Notre Dame football, you know, many times. So um, I always love those matchups. But, you know, with respect to the podcast, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. You're my 32nd guest and it's wonderful because the, the 31 uh, professionals before you have their own narratives. They have their own experiences of what makes relationship building important to them and what it makes it so much important for everybody in a team environment. So I love the conversation we're having because you're you're on point about even with respect to this podcast, so many people might have an idea to do it. They haven't put it into action. And it just came to me one day. I was talking to my press agent last year, and it's been a, an enduring process of almost 14 months and plan on finishing out the podcast, getting it on Apple Podcasts and other platforms, and then being able to write a book on relationship building and team environment. So I love that you have written a book. Uh, that's definitely inspiring because I love people who produce all of their knowledge into a book so they can share with others. What did it take to write the book? What were the motivating factors? Well, you know, I, I always thought writing, I always thought I'd love to be a writer and, and to write a book for me, it was if I can't meet somebody or if they can't hear one of our conversations in a speech that I do, I want to be able to reach them and I want to be able for them to have something tangible that they can turn to in good times and bad. And so for me, I just wanted to put that put that down on paper and, and some, you know, I was a, a, I am a voracious reader and like the, the book of five rings was a huge book for me that, that really helped me in my life, the alchemist. So I just wanted to continue uh, both my love of books and my respect for books by bringing an opportunity to people who I may or may not see uh, and meet and, and encourage them to build their process for success and, and to give them some, some, some relief, some acknowledgement. Look, Garrett, you and I, I mean, anybody who's tried to achieve something you're going to make people uncomfortable around you because other people have chosen not to go for an achievement. They've chosen not to do the little things and that can weigh you down. That could be a loved one. That could be a family member. That could be a great friend. And you also don't have to listen to them and you can set some boundaries. An example, my six year in the NFL, I started telling people you can show up on Saturdays at two. Well, that was because I left for the hotel at three. It's not my job to take you out at night on Friday night. I don't come to your work and ask you to take me out on a Wednesday night in the middle of your week, right? So you have to be able to to build these structures and boundaries around yourself and, and not around yourself, but towards your goal. And that's something that I, I really want to encourage people to do. And part of the reason why I wrote my book. Definitely. And you speak with a lot of words of wisdom. And I can tell that you are the type who have a lot of thought-provoking ideas and with response and you're able to like draw upon experiences and, and thoughts your time as a football player in the NFL 
when you speak at these corporate events and you're talking to a lot of different professionals who may have not been previous, you know, professional or collegiate athlete, what are those conversations like? What what do you glean from them? What comes to mind? How have you been able to contribute to those those conversations where they, they take a lot of great advice from you? Well, I, I promise you, if you know nothing about football, you'll still have fun in my speeches. And I make a point of that, you know, to make sure. But And the thing, too, per- performance is something that transcends sports, you know, jobs, careers, sectors. We all understand what it means to be performed. Those of us who are parents understand what it means to perform every day, right? Um, so performance is really universal. And that's what I'm talking about, right? How do you declutter your mind? How do you, if you have somebody you know you're going to encounter that you don't like, what can you do? And another, so one of my big things is what can you do? Can you be so strong that you're actually resilient, right? Which is, which is greater strength or resilience. And I would say resilience because you're going to reach strength. You're going to reach excellence and you're going to have a point where your good's not good enough. Well, instead of worrying about what happened or worrying about perception, what can you do? And the other thing I talk about is having fun. And one of my favorite letters that I've gotten uh, back after my speeches was from uh, a father. He said, Ryan, I really took home your point about having fun. And my wife and I had had a struggle. We have struggled the last two years with our son. And after talking to you, uh, we went, I went home and I told my wife and we said, well, let's just have fun with our son. He said, we have had more joy in the last two weeks than the previous two years, simply by asking our son, what do you want to do for fun this weekend? So I'm able to encourage people in their personal and professional life to create these to create the most of these opportunities that are all around us every day, and whether that's celebrating a win, smiling at someone, get, getting a mantra for yourself. I mean, these are all things you can do in your personal and professional life to make sure that you're continuing to go towards your goals and you're really creating success in your community beyond just yourself. And you talk about having fun, and you talk about strength versus resilience, and how much resilience matters even more than strength and I mean to definitely being on the offensive line you got to be resilient you got to protect your quarterback especially all the way to the Super Bowl and you won Super Bowl 50 what was like protecting Peyton Manning talk about your relationship with him well I love Peyton Manning will always love him a phenomenal leader an incredible character um, that made everybody better and you know some examples of how hard he worked you know he would he would practice fumbled snaps in between bench press reps you know, he would take extra time in practice that most teams just let players stand around and he'd make sure we did a, a blitz situation, right? Or we're picking things up. So I learned so much from Peyton Manning and I'm grateful for him. And I'll tell you though, Garrett, it was, it was funny because protecting Peyton Manning, it, it sounds great on paper and it's great now, right? Uh, when, when I wear my ring and, and talk about protecting his blind side in the Super Bowl. And that entire season, if I had given up a sack that had ended his career, I don't know if I'd have been able to get a dinner reservation in Denver. So now I can get any dinner reservation I want. And, and that was in jeopardy for each of those 19 games. Um, but something that I can laugh about now. And, and no matter what, just grateful for that experience to work with one of the greatest football players in the history of the NFL. And whether it was him or, or some of the other greats that I played with, you know, I can tell you it, there's no surprise when it comes to their success because of how hard they work. And it's really something when you're year eight, you're nine in the NFL and you get around a veteran who's been there 12, 13, 14 years, who's working harder than everybody else. So um, hard work pays off. The greats understand that. And they work on things that people wouldn't even imagine are a part of success. And that's why they are so successful. And 
he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I'm so glad that you had such a wonderful relationship with him. And it's, you're exactly right. I mean, a lot of extra pressure protecting him, especially during one of the most pivotal moments of your career and his career, winning a, a Super Bowl. Congrats again on winning like the NFL's, if not one of the sport's most highest achievements, which is winning a Super Bowl. Talk about your family, what your family means to you and how special they are to you. My favorite job is being a dad, uh, you know, my husband to one, the father to three, and it's something that uh, brings me challenge and joy every day. And, you know, I can't, I cannot say enough about my wife. She's the superhero in our family. Um, and not just in the way that we've built our family, but in the way that she had supported me throughout my career. Uh, you know, just this, I, I lucked out Garrett. I mean, we, I think when we, meet people and think about relationships. Rarely do we think, well, how will this person be as a mother or father? How will we make money decisions in the future going together? And for me, you know, I've had my, my best teammate in my entire career has been my wife. And I'm just fortunate every day to spend time with her. And, and I had a great, a great professor, Professor Leahy at Notre Dame, who said, wake up every morning. He said, find somebody who every morning you wake up, you fall in love with them again. And I was able to find that and uh, and so my family is one of my greatest is my greatest source of, of joy, pride, fun and challenge every day. And I'm very, very, very lucky, man. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. And my first guest on my podcast was Hall of Famer, Presidential Medal of Freedom winner Lou Holtz. And uh, he won the national championship for your alma mater back in 1988. For, uh, for the Fighting Irish, and he said the best business decision that a person can make is who they who they marry. You know, <laughs> that's the best business decision a person can make for himself or herself, and uh, I'm sure you believe that. Absolutely, I mean, I, that's one of the, one way to put it. Absolutely, and and I think it's important too. You know, uh, my wife and I, we, we won't go to anybody's wedding if they haven't done premarital counseling. You know, you have to learn how to communicate to each other. You have to learn the origins of how you learned to fight. You know, we all learn to fight differently in terms of discussions and arguments. It's important to get on the same page and understand that you love each other and, and you want to be with somebody who's willing to work with you, grow with you, and, uh, and support you. And it's amazing to me how many times I had teammates or friends whose relationships were always a give and take, right? You know, what am I getting in return? Well, if you get to do this, then what do I get to do? And that, to me, is just not a way to live life. You need somebody who's on your team, who understands that you you are both two and one together and that you need your own individual time and you can be challenged. And you want somebody who challenges you, who, who does things for you without asking in the best possible way, who supports you. And, and it's your job to be clear and communicate that as well. I mean, I've had teammates, Garrett, who they said, well, you know, my, my wife doesn't get this or my girlfriend doesn't get that. And I said, well, did you did you tell them that this was an expectation? Did you did you use your words? And Well, no, but they should understand. So I think, you know, all of us, it's good for all of us to remember we can communicate more as an offensive lineman. We communicate all the time because we have five of us and we all have to be on the same page. And when it comes to relationships, make sure you communicate and make sure you you choose somebody who who brings you joy in your life and who doesn't detract from it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my wife and I, we got married during the pandemic and we had to separate out our wedding ceremony and our wedding reception. Our wedding reception had to be in 2021. Our, our actual ceremony was 2020. But, you know, just going through the pandemic together just strengthened us as a, as a couple. And we just welcomed the birth of our first child. 
Peter back on uh, November 4th. My wife, Angela, I are just so blessed. Congrats. You sleeping yet? It's been, it's been a struggle, you know, but we're getting <laughs> through it, you know, every three hours with the bottle feedings and then, you know, our child's having to sleep, you know, three hours at a time. Well, you, you hope ideally anyways, you know, some days are better than others, but no, he's, he's been a joy. And my wife and I, we have our family with great support and love and, and kindness. And uh, it, it's been uh, wonderful. Uh, it hasn't really fully sunk in yet that I'm a, that I'm a, you know, a father. So I'm, I'm part of the, the club and uh, yeah. words of advice from a relationship building standpoint as a father. Continue to date your wife. That's all I can say. Continue to date your significant other. When, when kids come, it's easy to, to put down even who you are um, and, and who you are in a relationship to, to do what's best for the child. And, and I'm fortunate we had um, some great mentors who said, remember you're married first and parents second. And that's, that's been very good for us. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you're not going to get there yet, Garrett. You, you're about six months out from your first date, maybe. But um, <laughs> but make sure, even if it's a, a matinee lunch or, or going to a dinner and, and getting back before young Patrick gets to bed, um, make sure to continue to date your wife. And also remember, not everybody has the same resources that you and I have had. Not everybody has a supportive family. Not everybody has a supportive partner. So remember to enjoy those little things and, and work in our individual communities to make sure that those without those critical support structures are able to find success yes yes absolutely and uh yeah i, I love my son peter and he, he's the best i'm just i, I want to make sure that in these unprecedented times that we live in in 2022 that he's going to grow up in a better safer a more healthier world i mean when you think about just the world in general and, and things that you've seen over the years and obviously you live in Denver and, you know, you're a big part of the community. What are the conversations you have? What are type of the mentoring that you do? You see the world around you and you see that, you know, there are a lot of positives, but there are also, unfortunately, a lot of negatives. You know, how do you help people, mentor people to look at the bigger picture, look on the brighter side of things and, and maybe put things in perspective that they hear or see in the world? Well, I, I try and do as much as I can to support community organizations here in Denver. I'm on the board of economic, I'm on a few boards here in Denver, economic literacy, Colorado is really big to me. I mean, after losing my first million dollars, it was something where I, I had to learn quickly. And, and since then, I've learned how powerful it is to, to teach youth and others in our communities about the abilities they have and capabilities they have when it comes to um, owning their money. I'm also on a board for a school and a, and a hospital. So it's important to understand what your city needs and, and, uh, and do what you and do it and do what you can for your city. And even, you know, the holiday season's coming up and a lot of us will be at very nice events. And, and it's important in those conversations to remind everyone that not everyone has the same resources. Not everybody has the same experience. And I think that's the biggest thing that gets us in trouble as a society is we all believe that every single person has individual experiences like ours. And that's just not true. I mean, you know, I had to tell my children that you know, not everybody lives in a house and that's okay, but that you can't just expect that this is how everybody lives. So for me and my kids, the biggest thing is I want to make them, uh, I want to make sure they're capable. Uh, you know, failure is going to come. There's not a life without failure worth living. And so for me, I want them to be capable and I want them to know how, how many choices they have and how much they can do. And in that way, whether it's my children or our, our communities, uh, we can all do more. Definitely. And I'm so glad that you're so vocal about things like these where you can teach your kids 
and you can give them those experiences, you know, through your lens and, and offer to them like what your experiences are and what they could potentially expect coming from their brings as they get older and they start moving about in the world and seeing how the way things are. Uh, you can't teach your kids everything. Um, you can, you know, be strong mentor to them. You can tell them the difference between right and wrong and, and teach them about morals and ethics and strong values. Uh, and you hope that your, your kids, as they learn, you know, by examples and through things that they see, that they have the mental fortitude and that they are able to know the difference between, you know, right and wrong. And I'm, and I'm sure you and your wife are great parents and with all the love that you have for your children, that you're very um, happy that you've been raising such a extraordinary family. I, I learned the blueprint from my parents. You know, I'm extremely privileged. I had two parents that loved each other, that loved uh, me and my two siblings, and and uh, we're not chemically dependent. So, you know, I came from a very, very strong starting in life and was able to continue to build that and, and build that now with my partner for our next generation. Uh, definitely. What other goals, dreams, aspirations you might have? I mean, uh, you know, you're relatively young. I mean, I know you're I'm a little bit younger than you, but um, you're you're relatively young. I mean, you know, some people they, you know, they play in the NFL or they, you know, they play a sport and then at, once they retire, um, you know, sometimes they they run out of goals, they run out of things that they like to do, and retirement is hard for them. But you've built a you know a second career, if you will, as I said, with uh, broadcasting and being a motivational speaker, being a book author. But are there other goals and uh, and dreams that you have that you would definitely want to implement for yourself. Absolutely. Uh, I'm in the process of working with on one right now. Can't really talk about it. And uh, the biggest thing for me, I mean, you mentioned it in, in retirement in any change, you must focus on the transition and move. You know, when you run back and forth in the NFL, the guys who are fast are the ones who start the turn before they hit the line. And right. So you have to do that in life. And in that way, I've been able to turn and move. And now, I move forward with no expectations. You know, there are things I want to do, and if they don't work out, great, because I've learned now through through time that oftentimes it leads you to another direction where maybe even greater success than you ever imagined. So um, I absolutely continue to have goals and dreams. I'm, I'm learning how to speak Mandarin right now through a little Audible, and so I'm doing little things for me uh, day in and day out and also continuing with my goals and, and building on that process to continue success. So my chip because my children don't care, right? Peter's not going to care, Garrett, about what your podcast does, right? He's still going to be hungry. He still wants you to play with them. So for me, I want to make sure my children understand that you have to work hard in life to get what you want and and, and to have those goals. So I have them, and and I'll be getting to them soon. Uh, definitely. No, I appreciate the time that we're having, and I really enjoy when I speak with you know fellow professionals who really understand that. There's more to just their profession or there's more to how they live or what uh, type of lifestyle they want, because it's 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 bigger than yourself. You know, when you're when you're married or when you have a partner or when you have children and, you know, or the team that you play for, the organization you work for, it's always bigger than yourself. Yes, you have to represent a brand or you have to, you know, conduct yourself in a way that you're supposed to conduct yourself because you care about your character, you care about the way, you know, the public perceives you. But at the end of the day, it's it's always bigger than yourself. And you should always, you know, keep that in mind and, and respect that and be humble about it. You know, having a great sense of humility. 
Um, what are any final thoughts that you might have that we haven't touched upon about relationship building? Um, floor is yours. Every single person you meet is your teammate, whether that's a fellow citizen or whether that's somebody at your job. And I say teammate, not family member, because with a teammate, you can have expectations. With a teammate, you can, conf you can confront conflict and you become stronger when you confront it together and move forward and know that everyone's your teammate. And I think that's something that we all would do better to remember that doesn't matter whether somebody cuts you off in, in, in traffic, right? You, you want to get home safely. And, and a lot of things are about other people, not you. So find out who you want to be as a teammate, find out how you want to show up and remember that everybody you encounter is your teammate one way or another. Thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate your time. I learned so much and I hope that my audience, and I'm sure my audience will take away a lot of great advice from you and, you know, looking up to you as a professional athlete, but also as a business professional, a broadcaster, a book author, but most importantly, a man of, you know, faith, a man who loves his family, cares about his community, wants to impart so much of his knowledge and his time uh, and his wisdom to make the world a better place. And I love your website, how it's about being extraordinary. And anybody who has a dream, anybody who uh, wants to do good in this world and to make an impact on this world, he or she has the ability to be extraordinary. And I think that you did a phenomenal job in this episode of explaining that. Many thanks, my friend. And congrats on young Peter. Take care of the mother. And make sure in about five and a half months, you get yourself a date with her. Okay, let's go, Garrett. All right. Sounds good, Ryan. Thank you so much. You take care. And I look forward to having many more conversations with you and uh, featuring you in my book about relationship building in a team environment. Many thanks. Have a great one. Peace. Thank you, too. Take care. Bye-bye.